In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. How are you feeling this afternoon about yourself and the world? There's a lot to take on board. The ongoing political chaos of Brexit and the uncertainty it brings, the massacre of Muslims in mosques in New Zealand, devastating floods in southeastern Africa, ongoing disaster and conflict and environmental threats. It could be hard to stay cheerful, and it may not help that it's the middle of the Christian penitential season of Lent when we enter a time of fasting and discipline and self-examination in preparation for Holy Week. But it's precisely in that encounter with the brokenness of reality that we find resources to bear the sorrows of ourselves and the world around us in company with Jesus Christ. This Lent here at St. Paul's, we've been having a sermon series on Sunday afternoons based on the anthem sung by the choir. And the first two in the series were suitably penitential with music to match. One of the anthems, lamenting that God seems absent and the other asking God to give the writer just a few more years of life before he finally goes hence and is seen no more. But this afternoon, we have a change of mood with the anthem we've just heard, Felix Mendelssohn's Ave Maria, composed in 1830 with its evocative and soaring music and lush eight-part harmonies. It's not quite what you'd expect in Lent. Felix Mendelssohn, the composer, was born in 1809 to a Jewish father who'd renounced his faith. And Felix was baptized at the age of seven and remained a Protestant through his life, but was somewhat reticent about his faith and was very proud of his Jewish heritage. Anti-Semitism and the conservative romanticism of his music meant that his reputation suffered towards the end of the 19th and the first part of the 20th century. He was a musical prodigy as a child, and he came to particular fame with his revival of Bach's St. Matthew Passion when he was just 20 years old. He lived largely in Leipzig and Berlin, but he came often to England to perform and compose. And his well-known pieces that you may have come across include oratorios on St. Paul and Elijah, music for Shakespeare's play, A Midsummer Night's Dream, which includes the often played and favorite Wedding March, his overture, Fingal's Cave, the tune for the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and the piece, Hear My Prayer, which includes, Oh, for the Wings of a Dove. Mendelssohn had delicate health, tended to overwork, and died of a series of strokes at the young age of 38. So why do we have Mendelssohn's Ave Maria this afternoon? It's because it's the day of the Annunciation. On 25th March each year, the church recalls the visit of the angel Gabriel to Mary to announce that she will be the mother of her savior. And the church keeps the afternoon service before as the eve of that festival. The service of Evensong always contains the Magnificat, the song which Mary sings after the visit of the angel, 
when she goes off to visit her relative Elizabeth. Mary is never far away when Evensong is being sung. And in this service today, when we give thanks for the incarnation of the Lord in the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Ave Maria, which quotes words from the story of, of the Annunciation, is particularly suitable. You can see the words of the anthem on page 12 of your service booklet. And the words are in three parts. The first part of the greeting of the angels, as the angel says, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And the next sentence is the greeting of Elizabeth when Mary goes on to visit her. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. The second phrase is usually used by the church, but is left out of Mendelssohn's text. And the point of having these greetings, forming the first part of the anthem, is to affirm Mary's place before God. Filled with grace, the Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. Mary is about to have a hard and difficult road ahead of her. As an expectant mother, but not yet married, fleeing from persecution, up to watching her son die before her on the cross. But that journey, that struggle, that trial, begins with the assurance that God's love and power is with her, no matter what comes next. In the medieval church, these two biblical sentences were used without the addition of the third, sen the third sentence, which only came into use in the 16th century. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Not words from the Bible, but words added later on. And the invoking of Mary to pray for us became part of regular Catholic piety and has been incorporated into the saying of the rosary prayer beads as a form of prayer. It seems a bit strange that a Protestant like Mendelssohn should set this to music given that Protestants weren't supposed to pray to Mary and the saints. But Mendelssohn was working in a mixed Catholic and Protestant Germany where many people wanted the Ave Maria set to music. And we also need to remember that anthems like these are not just about the meaning of the words. They're not simply intellectual things. As Mary bore the incarnate Christ within her, as God and humanity in her womb become one. So this anthem, like all great pieces of music, fleshes out words and their meanings through the emotional range and power of music. In Mary, God the Word becomes flesh. In an anthem like this, human words take on another dimension and speak to the heart as well as to the head. Protestants happily can say the first two sentences of the Ave Maria because they're in the Bible. And calling Mary the mother of God is an ancient phrase of the church, affirming the divinity of Christ and thus the truth of the incarnation. But invoking Mary's prayers was something which was based in the medieval church on the concept of merit, that as the mother of God's son, 
as one conceived without sin, Mary would have special influence with God, and so her prayers for us would be especially effective. This isn't, however, something that's found in the New Testament, where prayer is to be made in the name of Jesus. But what does attract Protestants is the idea of relationship. As Martin Luther the Reformer saw it, Mary is the role model for us, for you and for me. The first Christian, the one who opens her heart as well as her body to God in Jesus Christ. She is our oldest sister in the faith. And if the church is united in the body of Christ, then we are linked with one another as Christians throughout time and space. And our love for and care for one another, whether alive or dead, comes together in Jesus Christ. Whether that relationship between us means that Mary can and does pray for us, no one knows. But just as we can pray for those who have died in commending them to God, it may be that those who have died in Christ continue to pray for us who are living. If you ever go to Jerusalem, you might like to go to the chapel of the Mount Zion Convent where there's one of the reputed tombs of the Virgin Mary. And in that chapel, there's a beautiful mural. It shows the soul of Mary as a small child, swaddled in bandages, going to heaven, carried in the arms of her son, Jesus. Mary, leading the way for us to be loved and held through death and trials by Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Mary. Felix Mendelssohn took this ancient prayer, the Ave Maria, and turned it to, into an evocation of love and beauty. And may his, this music and these words open our hearts to receive the love and blessing of God as Mary herself received it. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Hail Mary, mother of God, pray for our sinners now and in the hour of our death. Amen.